you guys have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, we will have the text on the screen, and we'll have a few other texts today. And I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but there might be some things you'll want to take notes of today that you'll find helpful. There, I hope that wasn't too bad. Um, let's pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you guide us with it, that it is a lamp to our feet. Be with us now as we open it. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In the 1980s, the futurists, like these people whose job it is to predict where things are going based on current trends, you can go look this up. Futurists predicted that because of the advent of computing power, that we were going to have an even more potent economy, same economic output with the average worker working six hours per week. That's what they thought. Computers are going to drastically cut down the number of hours that people work. What's actually happened? is captured so well by an Onion article, America's finest news source. It says this, here's the headline, laid back company allows employees to work from home after six. <laughs> Gresham, Oregon, underscoring the benefits of working for a laid back company like Social Fire Marketing, founder and CEO Matt Avalon told reporters Tuesday he had instituted an office-wide policy permitting employees to work from home anytime after 6 p.m. If it helps them be efficient and get more, time, more done, I have no problem with people working remotely once they've left the office for the day. <laughs> I mean, really, what's happened? You, you realize that for most of human history, we're talking tens of thousands of years, there was a natural built-in rhythm to working and resting. You know what it was? Sunrise and sunset. It, it, most people, number one job in world history is farmer. You're a farmer, you can't farm once the sun goes down, okay? Even when, you know, economies became productive enough where not everybody had to grow food to survive, and you could have a scribal class or whatever, you're, you're copying books, doing study, guess what? Sun goes down, you're done. And then we got gaslight, and especially the advent of the light bulb allowed people to work in offices later and later. But still, once you went home, you're done for the day, right? And now, what's happened is instead of computing power and all these wonderful devices we have, instead of cutting back and making us more efficient, we've got steadily less efficient and work has become boundless. Think of this, and I know some of you do this, you could do work at 2 a.m. from your bed when you should be sleeping. You've d I see, I'm, I'm just going to look for guilt on faces right now. I know you've done it. I mean, some of us don't have that kind of job. You can't do it from home. You pour coffee, you drive a truck, you swing a hammer. You, you leave that at, the, at work, and that's a good thing. But you know what our other tendency can be? Especially for you high responsibility types, is that even if you can't take your work home with you, you fill up every single day with work. You always schedule yourself for more hours. You pick up second jobs, third jobs, you name it. 
And those of us who don't do that, you know what we do? On our off days, we go to Trader Joe's. We go to Target. We schedule soccer. If you have kids, well, I have this empty time slot. I'm not doing anything there. I better fill that up with busyness. And those of us who don't do that, and let's say you do have a spare hour at home, what are you all doing? I'm, I, I see some of you twitching right now. You reach your phone and you doom scroll through social media and, and BuzzFeed. And you're like, but what, what, what Hogwarts house am I? I need to know. And you fill the empty space with this twitchy, chattery, buzzy, kind of like, like, like hyperactive, everything is Pac-Man, right? Remember how Pac-Man, your whole life is Pac-Man. We are a culture that has forgotten how to rest. We are a culture that has forgotten how to shut it down. I mean, think about this. Back in the day, what could you do at night? Sit in the dark. Just chill. Look at stars. I mean, maybe if you had a, a fire or a campfire, you could tell some spooky stories. That was the last time you did that. Even when we're camping, we're like, oh, let me check the score of that ball game real quick. We are a culture that's forgotten how to rest. All of our days are full of this hyperactive, stressed out input. We don't know how to sit still. And the result is that we're maxed out, we're stressed out, we're anxious, we're irritable, we're out of touch with our own emotional state because we're constantly distracting our minds so that we never notice how we're actually doing. We, we lack spiritual vitality because we're never sitting in silence and taking stock of how our walk with God is going. And it's really hard to build relationships with us. You know why? Because everyone else is just as stressed out, packed out, busy as you. You ever try and schedule, oh, I might have some time sep late September. Can we do it then? I've, I have 20 minutes between soccer practice and, uh, you know, um, a, a, a knitting class I'm taking. So I, I could squeeze you in there. How's that? It's really hard to build relationships with us. The Ten Commandments are not ten things we do to make God love us and let us into heaven. That's not what they're for. You know what the Ten Commandments are? It's God inviting us into walking the path of flourishing. And something that modern people need so desperately is to listen to the fourth commandment, to remember rest. Let, let's read it real quick. Starting at, at Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day, the rest day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You, well, what about my son? Or your son, my daughter, or your daughter, my male servant, or your male servant, female servant, female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, People tend to take the fourth commandment a little lightly. I want to point out something that is hopefully painfully obvious. Like, if you make the top ten of anything, you are, you, you can't be safely dismissed, can you? 
top 10 basketball players ever, right? All 10 are going to be like, yeah, it's hard to say which order they go in, but they're all 10. This is in the Ten Commandments. This is not like a little law. This is one of the main ones. Also, it comes before murder. It comes before adultery. It comes before lying. Okay, like God is like, okay, first, before we get to all that, you need to rest one day a week. Why is that? Why does God want us to remember rest? Here's how we're going to go through this. First, we're going to talk about why, and then we're going to talk about how, okay? Why, then how. So why? Why do we need to remember to rest? Why do we need to keep this fourth commandment? It's because we are designed to rest. Creation has a work-rest rhythm. When we open up the very beginning of the Bible, we see God, he makes, right, you know, the light, and then what does he do? It was morning, it was evening, the first day. God stops at a certain time in the day and rests. And then we get all the way to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And this is what he does. Can we get the Bible verse up? Then the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So creation has a work-rest rhythm. Most of the other Ten Commandments are responses to the fallenness of human beings. Don't murder, right? Don't commit adultery. Don't have another God. These things God needs to tell us because we're fallen. But resting is something that comes before the fall. Rest especially the one day in seven, is built right into the fabric of the universe. If there had been no fall of mankind, we would still observe a Sabbath rest. Okay? So creation has a work-rest rhythm, and we are part of that creation. We are designed for rest. If, if you're like me, you're one of the smart individuals that gets mad at power tools for running out of battery. You know, you're, oh, it starts slowing down. You're like, oh, stupid thing. It's like, but you didn't, I didn't charge it, right? The design of the thing is, is it, it, you have to charge it for it to work, right? That's the design of it. And to use it without charging it is to use it against its design. Who's the dumb one? Yeah, the one who, who uses things against their design, right? Well, guess what? If you're maxing out every moment of your day, if you're filling up every day with work, and the days that you're not at your job work, you're filling it up with busyness and other work, instead of resting, you are using yourself against design. You're just like that power tool. You're like, oh man, I'm, I'm burnt out, I'm stressed out, I'm maxed out. You're using yourself against your design. You should no more work seven days a week or every moment of every day than you should breathe water. That's how much part of your design it is. You are not like, some, you know, like, oh, I'm tough enough. If I put my mind to it, I can breathe water. No, you can't. That's not your design. Okay. So, first of all, we need to remember to rest because we're designed to rest. And second, we need relief from the curse. We need relief from the curse. What is the curse? 
Well, in the Bible, after God creates everything good, our first parents rebel against him, and God pronounces a series of consequences for this action, one of which is found in Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19. Get that text up, Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So what was Adam's job? He was working the ground, right? And what is now cursed? The ground. Instead of it growing what Adam wants to, what does it grow? Thorns and thistles. I mean, isn't this true? Even those of us who are lucky enough to do what we love, is it ever what you want it to be? Does does the work of your hands ever match exactly what you wanted it to be, what you hoped it would be? Was Was it ever as fulfilling as you thought it should be? It's because work is cursed. Even if we love our work, our work is cursed. We need relief from the curse. Also, we need to think outside of ourselves. Work is often, not always, often oppressive. Think about the first audience, the ancient Israelites. What were they before they were, before they were exodused? They were enslaved people, right, for generations and generations. Think of what a blessing it is to tell someone for whom work was an oppressive thing. What do you do? You go down to the mines with poisonous fumes in them. What do you do? You bend over making bricks, backbreaking every day. You're, you're working and you are enriching somebody else. None of it belongs to you and you don't have a choice. The Sabbath is meant to be a relief of the curse. Because work is cursed and work is often oppressive. And relief is supposed to be for all of creation. You notice that, that animals are included in the Sabbath command, right? In other laws throughout Exodus, the land itself, the land that they farm, they're supposed to rotate fields. They're supposed to give the land a rest. Rest is for, this relief from the curse is for all of creation. Even if you love your job, you are one of the lucky ones, a microfraction of people in world history. Even you need relief from the curse. And for those of us for whom work has been an oppressive thing, right? And, and there's many people in the United States, yeah, you know what they do? What they have to to survive. You know how much they do it for? As much as the employer wants to pay them because they have no other choice. Built in to God's design that he wants us to carry forward is that all people would have relief from the curse. But we can also get in a very self-centered mindset about rest and what we think of as rest. Is it up to us to decide what it is we do for rest? Well, yes and no. There's a Simpsons episode where Homer... Um, he tears his church pants. 
And so he doesn't go to church one Sunday. And it just so happens it's midwinter and the, the heater's broken in the church. And, and you see, you know, Marge and the kids, as Reverend Lovejoy drones on about hell, he's like, and it will burn, and the heat from the sulfur and the magma, and Bart's like, oh, I'm there, dude. <laughs> in the meantime, Homer has stayed home, not put on pants. He's laying on the couch. He finds a new pen. He's like, woohoo! He's drinking beer, and he's watching a football game that goes into overtime, and he's just having the time of his life. And when Marge gets home, he says, I've had the best Sunday of my life, and I owe it all to not going to church. I'm starting a new religion where we just stay home and watch football. And I do think some of us have signed up for that religion. <laughs> we have a very Homer Simpson understanding of rest. You know, I hear people say things like, I don't experience God in a church. I experience him on a hiking trail. And can you experience God on a hiking trail? Absolutely. But if we are just going by what gives us a powerful feeling of spirituality, like, I've heard heroin can give you a very powerful spirit, spiritual feeling, you know? I, I, I don't think you're actually connecting with God. I, I, I don't think that that's actually filling up your soul. Horror movies give me very powerful feelings. Also, not connecting me with God. I don't like them. They give me powerful feelings of fear. Like, are we jumping on board with, with, like, Homer Simpson, who is sort of the archetype of self-centeredness, right? We cannot take a Homer Simpson attitude towards rest. It's whatever I like. Now, are there things that God has, like, like you're born to do them, and when you do them, you feel God's pleasure, as Eric Little once said? Yes, absolutely. But we have to remember that rest is not just for us, it is also offered to God. Look with me um, uh, at verse 10. It says, the seventh day is a Sabbath. What? To the Lord your God. It's a day that's not only for us, even though it is for us, but it's a day that we offer to God. And we are told later in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 4, 9 through 10, it's a day on which we celebrate redemption in Christ. It says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So when we celebrate rest on the Sabbath day, we're looking back to the cross that we no longer, uh, not that we ever did, but that we are no longer looking to our works for God's favor, that it's in Christ we're also looking forward to his return when creation is fully restored. So this is a day that's not just like, well, I do what I like. It's a day we offer to God. It's a, it, it's, it's a Sabbath to God. We're recalling the cross. We're looking forward to the return. Okay? We cannot simply say, well, what do I like to do? Even though that can be an appropriate thing on the Sabbath, we have to say, what is, some, what, is, what is rest I can take that I can offer to God? What is to God's glory today? Now, let me take care of a couple of but whatabouts, because I, I think some, might, some of you might have them, and, and that's cool. Some of you may be saying, well, didn't Jesus violate the Sabbath? Didn't he lock horns with the Pharisees because, you know, his disciples were going to the ancient Waffle House picking 
picking uh, grain heads off of, off of stocks and eating them on the Sabbath and, and got nailed for that. And he like healed on the Sabbath and the, the Pharisees had a big problem with that. Didn't Jesus violate the Sabbath? Jesus never violated the Sabbath. You know what he violated? He violated the Pharisees' rules concerning the Sabbath. You see, the Pharisees, they didn't just say keep the law. They said keep three other fence, you know, like, like this, these are all laws to keep you from ever breaking this law. So they had 41 things you couldn't do on the Sabbath lest you work. Among them, lifting a jar above your head. Like to put it on a shelf. That's work, can't do it. All right? Jesus violated that. He never violated God's law. And then you might say, well, well didn't Paul uh, in Colossians say that now that Jesus is here, right, the law was like a shadow and the substance has come, you don't look to the shadow anymore. Well, that, that, that's, if you guys have about three minutes of, of like, classroom-level attention, I, I can hopefully help with that. Yes, he did say that. But does that mean we don't follow the moral law? See, there's three types of law in the Bible. There's the moral law, that is, laws that are always true, right? Like, like there is one true God, therefore have no other gods. Is there a time and place that isn't true? No, if there had never been a fall, there would still be one true God and we worship only him. In the, after Jesus returns, that will still be the case, okay? Moral law is always true. That's what we have in the Ten Commandments. They never go away. Then there's civic law, which is taking the Ten Commandments and plopping them down in a time and place. So if you read the book of the law in Exodus and Deuteronomy, there's a lot of stuff about what to do if your ox gores somebody. Right? They were really concerned about that. It's really hard to apply that in 21st century United States. Very few of us have oxes that go. Part of Christian ethics and murdering somebody is going outside. You're off the board. Right? You're missing. So what does it mean to miss keeping the Sabbath? What does it mean to get on the board to keep it? And what does it mean to fulfill it in perfect love? Well, to miss the Sabbath... Is to, is to work on the Sabbath. It's to fill it up with busyness, to fill it up with, with you know, running errands and other things that are just going to result in you being maxed out, stressed out, disconnected from yourself and others and God. Okay? Now, I cannot, I'm not sure I'm ready to go on record as saying God, God's word requires this, but I am just going to make the recommendation that on the Sabbath day, we shut devices down, like just turn them off. At least no social media and probably recommended is to all those little chattering things, whether it's cable news or this or that, shut it down. Devote the day to rest, right? And so I, 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 would, I hesitate to put this on it's the wall, take it as a recommendation uh, from someone who's reflected on the Sabbath as opposed to this is a certain teaching of God's word. But what is clear is that we are not to do our jobs on the Sabbath day. And we are not to fill it up with other, other busy work around the house and that sort of thing. We are, we are to devote it to rest. Now, does that mean uh, if you are a police officer, a nurse, um, you know, a military officer, someone who must work on a Sunday, right? Does that mean that you're being unfaithful to the Lord? No. Really, it's, it's observing the, the, the spirit of the law here. 
one day in seven, devote it to God, right? Like, don't work seven days a week. Intentionally set aside a day of, re day of rest. Now, if you can, be intentional about making Sunday that day because that is the day that, that you know, churches gather. Okay, so what is it to hit? What is it to get on the board? It's to keep the Sabbath. That is to rest. Does that sound easy? It's way harder than you think. You know why? It takes some intentionality. You got to get your errands done not on the Sabbath. You got you to plan ahead. You got to prep ahead. Do your chores other days. That sort of thing. Uh, you've got to think of better things to do. You ever, okay, I'm totally going to rest. And then you're like, what do I do? Well, I'm not used to doing this. Here, I, 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 I spent about three seconds, so here's my list. Here's things you could do. Call your mom. Do a handstand. See how long you can hold it. This would be... <laughs> Listen to an album with real attention. When was the last time you did that? Just everything else is off. Favorite record. Listen to it. Go to a stream and watch it run by. Check out a squirrel fight in your backyard. <laughs> I did that yesterday. I was like, man, there's a lot of squirrel activity back here, and my squirrels are kind of gangster. They're really at each other. You could knit a friend and just talk to them, right? You've got to be intentional about, well, what am I going to do instead of the usual chattering, twitchy busyness that I fill my life with? How can I intentionally fill these hours? Rest. And by the way, Worship absolutely is an appropriate part of the Sabbath, making sure that there is time that you're setting aside to intentionally connect with God, whether that's sitting in silence. I told you guys. We are not used to silence. It's hard for us, and yet it's a discipline uh, of Christian spirituality to sit and listen to God. So, to, to miss it is to fill it up with work and busyness. To, to just say, well, I got to. To hit it is to have some intentionality, to plan ahead and say, okay, we're going to set this aside. And to, to nail it is to fill the Sabbath. Fill the Sabbath only with that which is unrefreshing to the soul. Perhaps worship would be in there, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a big question about recreation. I mean, I have to sit in a dark room and, and breathe, and some people aren't sure about the breathing. I, no, that's not what's happening. You have to remember that for most peoples who, do physical, who did physical labor throughout history, a day off means I'm going to sit still, not I'm going to go mountain biking. <laughs> like if you've ever had a job that's, that's pretty grueling, planting trees, I did that for a while. Uh, you know, a day off, you're like, oh, my body can rest. My body can recover. I'm not getting up out of this chair. I used to, for real, have one of those little handles for throwing the, ba the, the ball, and I would sit in my backyard like this. I wouldn't even move. I'd just get it for my dog. Boom. Boom. Like that's all I wanted to manage. Uh, but for those of us who have more sedentary jobs, uh, you know, you work for the internet or something like that. The best thing you can do on the Sabbath day is get up and move your body around, right? That is rest from your work. Um, filling the Sabbath would also be filling it with community, making, that, making the day uh, that we devote to God full, especially of our spiritual community. 
right, to be very intentional about that. This is a day we set aside to build community with those whom we worship with. And now you see why, uh, why church is kind of a big part, uh, uh, like the gathering of God's people is a big part of, of life in Christ, is because like, we can't walk with God alone. We keep the Sabbath together. I can't fill the Sabbath with worship if that dude's not leading me. Right? Marcel, or, or whoever he gets to pinch hit for him. But we need him. Right? We need each other to be in each other's lives, to walk with each other, to be community to one another. So we should fill the Sabbath with worship, with recreation, with silence, with community. Okay, that's what it is to hit the bullseye, to keep it to the utmost. And, you know, this, this is actually a, a big part of Sheridan, my personal story. Back when I was in seminary, um, I went to a theological, and one of my professors said, look, guys, we're going to assign you way more, more readings, more papers, uh, more everything, more exams than you could possibly study for. And if you do it all, you're unfaithful, especially if you're married, especially if you're a dad. If you do everything we've given you, you are unfaithful in your calling as husband and father or as child of God. And you're going to have to decide what you don't do and take the consequences. You know why they did that? They said, because that's how ministry is going to be. There's n you're never going to be done. There's always going to be more to do. And the question is, are you going to fill up every moment? Or are you going to obey God's mandate to rest? to be in community, to spend time with your family, right? And so we said very early on, because I was finding myself falling into the past. More things to do, and I'd have to shut it down. And lo and behold, God provided enough time. I, I got all everything done. I graduated and did pretty good. Right? And then when we were in ministry, like especially our first year of church planting, uh, it, it, it's an overwhelming workload. And my anxiety was through the roof. And Sharon was like, you know what we're not doing? We're not resting. And so we started something called Mondays as Fathers. <laughs> On Monday, we dropped the kids at school and we're like, peace. <laughs> and it got, to, it got to the point where we were on the trail together. Do you remember this, Sharon? And, and Sharon was like, had some idea for community groups or something like that. And I was like, I, I felt my heart rate start to like, like jack up. And I'm like, I said, Sharon, I think I've got a point where we can't even say the word church on, on Mondays. We've got to shut it completely down. Right. And, and let me tell you, by observing, like really filling up the Sabbath with rest, it's been a transformation. We find ourselves with more, more margin, more capacity, less stressed out, more joyful, more, uh, more in relationship. Look out. None of the Ten Commandments are like that. None of it is, oh, you like doing that, you better stop. That's not what God is doing. God is inviting you into a path of greater flourishing. We need to remember rest. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you call us into rest. Thank you that you are our rest. That 
because of what you did for us on the we, we can rest in your grace, knowing you're secure in your hand. We thank you that we can rest, that you will make the world. I pray, God, that we would live as your people.